HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wild Alaska Pollock, the fish of the future. Learn more and try a free sample at wildakpollock.com. I'm HRN's Communications Director, Kat Johnson, with a preview of this week's episode of Meat and Three, our weekly food news roundup. It's Thanksgiving, so we're talking turkey with sweet potato casserole, stuffing, cranberry sauce, and pecan pie. But we're also discovering some surprising truths about this holiday. As it turns out, roasted turkeys are actually nowhere near the original Thanksgiving tables. In fact, most of the foods we eat for Thanksgiving today weren't eaten in Plymouth. And you know, a lot of the dishes came about, well, because of the products that were on the shelves and the marketing that told us this is the product we should use. Every once in a while, though, the consumer creates the food trend. Care to top the turducken, anyone? Uh, I've got to give credit to this fellow that said, this is the best pile of meat I've ever had, and then said, but if you added bacon... Tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network, available wherever you listen to podcasts. You don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some in the end. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. My name is Souther Teague. Damon Bolte is out of office today. He's uh, traveling around the world doing his job with Brooklyn Gin. Um, but it's been a great week. I uh, hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. I did. I hung out, uh, out in Long Island with a bunch of friends, and we had oysters and caviar and all the traditional trimmings of turkey and dressing and stuffing. And What's the difference between dressing and stuffing? Do you know? Uh, who knows? All, all you know is that you just get a little bit more winter warmth on you. That's right. So Pad it up. Um, it is the holiday season. Uh, it's also our fundraising season. I don't want to beat this drum too hard because I don't want to be a commercial all the time. But, you know, Heritage Radio Network is super important to me. Um, it's a community uh, project that we do to reach out and talk to our friends all over the world all at once. Um, bring you great co- content and talk about drinks and the drinks culture. Uh, Monday, December 3rd here in New York City at the Palm House uh, and Yellow Magnolia Cafe at the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Botanic Gardens is our... Um, our holiday gala party and tasting. Um, we want to celebrate another epic year in f- food radio, food and drink radio. They always leave us out uh, and help Heritage Radio Network get off to a strong start in 2019. It's our 10th anniversary. 10 years of Heritage Radio Network means that we're probably um, the largest archive of food and drink um, uh, recordings anywhere out there. We've been doing this for 10 years, uh, usually around 35 shows going on at any given point. It's amazing. Um, 
But uh, tickets are available. Go on to uh, heritageradionetwork.org slash gala. Uh, you can pick up tickets. There's a VIP hour at the beginning where you get uh, extra stuff. But uh, there'll be tons of food, tons of chefs, tons of interactive stuff, a lot of um, uh, silent auctions going on there for, for cool things that will help, uh, help the radio network stay on, stay on the air. And then also Damon Bolte, myself, and Dave Arnold are all going to be making cocktails. So it's, it promises to be a good time. Last year was a great party. Let's have another great party and raise some money for Heritage Radio Network. All right. Now, on to the show. Today in the studio, you just heard his voice. He's got a delightful accent. we got Jack Ferris, who's the Bushmills brand educator and ambassador of Bushmills Irish Whiskey. Welcome to the studio, Jack. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's man. nice and cozy in here. Uh, it is. You know, uh, we keep the heat turned up high. We're inside of a metal box, basically, out back of Roberta's Pizza, watching people eat pizza in Brooklyn. Yeah, it's pretty interesting it's pretty it's pretty hipster yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know it's interesting uh the studio is inside of two um shipping containers and we used to be out back of roberta's pizza right so you can look out the window and you can see the bar area over there and then there's this little space here that they built in and then i'll take you on tour afterwards and, and anyone who wants to come and join us in the studio i'll take you on tour as well but out back then they built the tiki bar. Yeah. And then around there, they built the big outdoor area with the outdoor oven. And then they built Blanca beyond that. And then they built the to-go area beyond that. And then they put a garden on top of us. So now we're not out back of Roberto's. We're in the center. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's nice. Yeah. It's like a compound. So, Jack, talk to me about your job as the Bushmills brand educator. What does that mean? So, basically, I've been brought over to the United States just to really educate the nation, educate the consumer, the bar trade, really everyone. It's a tough on, job educating Americans. Uh, you know, it's fun. <laughs> I really, really love talking to them. It's, well, and it's also the fact as soon as I open my mouth, you just see their eyeballs raised going, what is this accent? Yeah. Uh, because I'm right up from the north coast of Ireland, so it's not your traditional uh, rhythmical Irish accent. But uh, yeah, like I love what I do. Um, I spent seven years working at Bushmills Whiskey Distillery uh, before I got moved over here back in February. Um, and one of the great things about working there, I was able to do almost every single job you can imagine at that distillery. Um, like I filled up bottles, filled up barrels, emptied barrels, picked up up in the warehouses. And you worked with the distillers, ran the bar. Did you mentioned the- to me you started with them at a pretty young age. Yeah, so basically I started working in a little hotel just down the street, about half a mile away. Because Bushmills is actually a village itself. It's not just a whiskey distillery. And I started working on the bottling lines. And this is where it gets a little bit crazy. I started working on the bottling lines because that was a summertime college job. So I didn't really have any interest in whiskey at all. This was just completely easy for me. Working on the bottling lines, we're taking the bottles off the lines, putting them into the gift tubes, or getting all the cases put together. Super easy job. Um, And again, at that stage when I was just turning from 18 to 19, that was easy money in the pocket. And the fact I only grew up seven miles away, to have a job like that, absolutely fantastic. Um, sure, just hop on your bike and go to work. Yeah, essentially. like You could cycle there, or it's just like in the car, you can make it in about four or five minutes yeah, right. as well. So super easy. Um, and then growing up there, you know, we've got Portrush just around the corner, some of the best bars imaginable, one of the best nightclubs in the entire of Ireland's up there as well. So it was super central for the entire summer. But as I started working there more and more, they got me more involved in what the rule was. So started doing the tour guiding, and then after I started doing the tour guiding, I realized... I can take a group of tourists, like 18, maybe up to 26 people at a time, 45 minutes, and I get to tell them a story. And the more I started to captivate into that, the more I wanted to learn. And as I learned more and more, the distillery started to notice that. So particularly my uh, line manager, a woman called Lynn Bryce, 
she pretty much gave me all the opportunity to start working in the bar more, to start doing the tastings more. And it was this vicious circle of the more I educated people, the more I wanted to learn, the more I learned, uh, the know, more I wanted to educate. Te- so, teaching is learning. Yeah, and like right up to my last day in, in the distillery, that was uh, February 7th, I was still talking to the head of uh, blending, master blender, Helmel Holland. Right up until my last day, I was still learning. Uh, and still every single day as I work more in this country, the more people I talk with in the industry, the more I keep learning as well, the more things I can relate with people. So it's a never-ending education. Yeah, uh, of course. I mean, I think that's true of anything you've got a passion about, you're going to learn about it every single day, especially if you're hanging around with people who have a similar passion or, or know something about the thing you want to know about. Completely. I got a side question. Uh, the town of Bushmills, where Bushmills is made, mm-hmm. is Bushmills a popular product there? Oh, massively. I mean, um, yeah. you, you'd think it is, but you know, like I, when I spent time in France, I learned this very ugly fact that less than less than two percent of all cognac produced in France is consumed in France. They don't drink their own juice. Yeah, but Bushmills, the town, is drinking Bushmills. Uh, the entire hometown pride. Yeah. The, well, it's more the entire island. Yeah, you, yeah that too. Yeah. I can guarantee there's any bar in the entire island you can walk into, you'll find a bottle of Bushmills. In the entire North Coast area, you'll find the entire family littered there. Um, you'll even find variants that we've not produced in maybe 10, 15, 20 years. And there's certain bars still holding on to those special, special bottles. So it's one of the best things for tourists whenever they come up and visit us is that, yeah, you can come visit the distillery. And then after hours, if you go out to the bars, you can still keep discovering more and more of the range. Um, and the fact everyone's so proud of the fact this tiny little village of only just over a thousand people. Oh, wow. And yet you can find products. People can come from about 7,000, 9,000 miles from across the world. And they know Bushmills and they're coming to their home. And yet you've got people working in bars that have never moved more than 10 miles. And yet there's people that are coming in and they already know this product. So there's an immense pride. So it's not just the fact we're dealing with the whiskey. It's the fact we're dealing with almost something that people know that their father drunk or their grandfather or they know their friends or they, they're currently drinking and being bought as a present. And um, the fact people from across the world know it and um, gives a lot of pride. I mean, even the fact I can go to bars across America and there's even certain bottles. If I look at the serial code, I can figure out if I actually filled those bottles <laughs> of going, there's something I did. Right. And here it is on the other side of the Atlantic. Right. So it gives me a lot of pride. And it's the same for everyone else up in the North Coast. Yeah, that's outstanding. So, yeah. It's uh, that, that's outstanding. And, and that's great to know because, you know, I was, like I said, when I was in France, I was really shocked to find that out because I thought to myself, if Americans only drank 2% of American whiskey, like, that's, just, that's unheard of. Mm-hmm. We're, we're hoarding it. We're drinking the most of it. We're sending out very little, you know. Yeah. We're drinking our own juice. We run out of it all the time because we can't make it enough for ourselves. So it seemed very shocking to me. So I'm glad to know that that's true um, in a town like that and in, and in the whole country. Um, you got a lot of marks and you brought a lot of them with you. Yeah. Um, so obviously I thought I'd treat you well. Um, <laughs> it's a holiday season. Of course. It's holiday season. We step outside. You're going to get that wind cutting into your chest. Sure. It's whiskey drinking weather. Yeah. So uh, I thought I'd treat you. Uh, we've got seven different variants here. So we've got three of our blends. We've All got right. our red. A- anybody who comes to visit me at work tonight. Get ready. I'm going to be already loose. <laughs> no, you've got, you'll have a gentle little glue inside you. Yeah, yeah. As I'll, well. I'll, I'll take on an Irish brogue. But um, yeah, we've got everything from a red bush made for the American palate right through to our single malts, right up to our incredibly rare 16 and 21. What do you mean when you say made for the American palate? So red bush is a little bit different. Let's taste that one um, first. That's, red the, bush, that's the one you wanted to taste first, right? 
Yeah. I don't want to push you off your schedule. You want me to pour it? Yeah, so as much or as little as you'd like. So Redbush is going to be our most recent addition to the family that you can find in the United States. This is going to be a four-year-old whiskey. It is a blended whiskey, but it's a blend of our own triple distilled single malt with a lighter Irish green whiskey that we could get distilled just for ourselves. Now, what makes it so different is, firstly, that name is a connotation of the fact we're going to get a reddish shoe from only using first-fill bourbon barrels which is a little bit different to your traditional Irish or even Scottish style whiskey. Using only first fill bourbon barrels means you're going to get a real distinctive influence. And what you're going to even recognize on the nose there is the fact that that vanilla is going to pop out straight away. So the barrels that we use, we get from Kelvin Cooperage. We use a number two and a number three char. And as a result of that, you're going to get this real distinctive vanilla sweetness. But what you're also going to recognize is this honeyed sweetness. Now that honeyed sweetness, that is coming from the core of what Bushmills is. Because our distillate, after three distillations in copper pot stills, and I actually have samples of the copper pot still right in front of you, right there. So everything we're about to drink has passed through those pieces of metal. Right. Um, but our distillate, if you come into our still house, the aroma of peaches, pears, almost like pear drops, that is what the core of Bushmills is. Whenever you marry that with four years inside only a first fill American bourbon barrel, this is where you can get all those bourbon sweetnesses, but then our Bushmill sweetness brings out the honey a little bit more. That caramel is a little bit more floral. And then also you're going to get that Bushmill smoothness. So whenever you take a little sip, you're going to recognize all that sweetness at the front, but it's going to be very drying, but very, very clean dryness. So again, what I tend to notice in around the front of the palate and around the front of the tongue, that sweetness, a little bit viscous. But then as it comes in through the back of the palate, it'll dry. It's a very, very crisp, clean dryness. Yep. It's delicious. Yeah. It's a aroma. real easygoing whiskey. Yeah. Aroma of like honey and I don't know, a little bit of... Almost like a little bit of honeyed malt. Honey and yeah. And again, you can almost pick up on the nose the fact that it's going to be a first fill bourbon barrel. Yeah. That, that sort of vanilla note so comes through. Because it is so prominent. Yeah. So this is a brilliant introduction for even any American whiskey fan into the Irish whiskey portfolio because you're going to get those American sweetnesses, but that classic Irish smoothness, that bush mill smoothness. And that, that comes from copper pot distilling, right? Yeah, so using our so, copper pot stills. So talk a little bit about, you know, of course we've got lots of, uh, you know, bartenders and experts who listen to the show. We also have a lot of folks who are just home enthusiasts. Talk about what, what it is that makes pot, copper pot stilling special and, and unique, to especially to Irish whiskey. So... The reference you might be talking to, uh, pot still style, that's different to what we do. Oh, um, Pot still style is a style that came about, its origins probably in the late 20th century, uh, well, even going into the late 19th century, but what we do at Bushmills is something that we stay true to ourselves. We haven't changed, we haven't faltered, we've stayed true to what's made us famous and why we've stood the test of time, why we've lasted 410 years. So basically we use 100% malted barley, it's grown by 48 different farmers. We use seven different strains, two main strains being Taberna and Sebastian. It's all malted, but we only malt using hot, clean, fresh air. So there's none of that smokiness or peatiness you might associate with a traditional style of scotch. Right. Then we use triple distillation inside copper pot stills, whereas opposed to a lot of maybe other styles of whiskey where they use a column still, a coffee still, if you wish. Yep. So you get vast volume coming out of there. Using a copper pot still... Horribly inefficient, but what will happen is that, yes, we distill three times, but even in your first distillation, your lighter components of alcohol, they will come out, 
and go through the angle of the reflux and into the condenser, but those heavier components, they might reach the neck and then fall back down again. So you can actually have multiple distillations in just your first copper pot still. Sure. Um, so this is where with what you tend to find is that with a copper pot still, you get a little more body, a little more character, a little bit more depth. This is right, the, the difference between a, a big continuous or column still or coffee still and, 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 and the single pot distillation is, is more character. You're, mm-hmm. like, again, as you said, and I think that this is what drives people to do this, it's, mo- it's money, right? So the coffee or continuous stills generate more product yeah. but less character. So you're going the hard way, less product, but you're coming out with more character. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that is why we, have, why we haven't closed, why we haven't moved. And why we're still staying true to what we're producing today. They haven't moved the same location in 400 years? Same location. I mean, even the name Bushmills comes from where we are. Sure it's the, the river town. bush and the milling of the barley. Ah. So Bushmills actually represents what we do, the river bush water um, and the milling of the barley of what we do. So this is why the village grew up around us and we grew up around the village. So it's that hand-in-hand relationship. The fact that in the village, everyone has got someone that works in, in the distillery. Everyone who works here is a cousin, an uncle, an aunt, father, son. It literally is they have one to be big in family. a town of a thousand. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's very very close knit. But one of the best things is that yeah, like I've got all my qualifications. If you know, if I needed to, could do open up a distillery. But one of the key things is learning how to do it the Bushmills way. Learning from my predecessor. Everything I'm talking to you, I've learned from my predecessor, who learned from their predecessor, and that's going back generation to generation to generation. This is really what makes Bushmills so much more different, is the fact that we really are uh, a hand-down process of knowledge, a hand-down process of expertise. It's like apprenticeships. Essentially. Um, even, well, for example, our Cooper. We're in the fourth generation right now of the Cooper. So we've got the father and son still working for us. So we've got Alistair Kane, who's the dad. He's got four arms like Popeye. And then we've got the son, uh, Chris Kane. Now, at the minute, we are expecting Chris to continue on that bloodline, so the pressure's on him right, right now. But again, he had to go on a three-and-a-half-year apprenticeship. Even though he learned everything from his dad and he's born into the entire industry, we still do that apprenticeship with him uh, just to make sure that he knows exactly the true Bushmills way because if we change things, then we're not going to last another 410 years. If we keep staying true to who we are, which we have done, uh, we'll stand there to the t- test of time. Yeah, it's outstanding. Um, what? Uh, so wait, are you now? I'm, I'm getting from the way you're talking. Are you now living here in America? Yeah. So I okay. I, so when you said you were had been away from your, you'd only stayed in your apartment three days in all of October. I thought you meant back over there. Oh no, no. As and I covered the entire country. Understood. So so, wh- so where are you at in America? Uh, so I get sent out, thankfully, to, to Southern California quite a lot. Um, so I just came back there last Tuesday, um, which was fantastic was out there for two weeks i mean for example in october i started off the month came back from a trip in ireland i just had an escorter trip and then i was in vegas i was in uh, california again texas colorado did philadelphia pittsburgh um and then a little bit of chicago throwing in there so yeah i do a lot of travel that was just october yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I get sent around a lot. But home base is in Southern California? Uh, no, home base is actually Jersey City itself. <laughs> Glamorous. <laughs> yeah, well, the good thing is I'm right on the waterfront. So I can be in from my, from my apartment stepping out in World Trade if the train's on time mm-hmm. in seven minutes. Um, but using the path, that's always a little bit of a roll in the dice. Right, it might be there, might not be there. Nobody really knows. <laughs> All those great places you get to travel in home bases. Jersey City. Not knocking Jersey. I'm knocking Jersey a little bit. It's fine. It's fine. They, they could take it. They've been knocked by bigger than me. Yeah. The, 
when I uh, left the apartment this morning, that wind that was coming in through between the buildings, that pretty much cut me in half Yeah, as well. The, weather, that, the weather's starting to dip and we get some moisture in the air and then the wind blows and it's cutting. Yeah, particularly what, last Tuesday leaving San Diego, it was 86 degrees, sun was out, and yet they had the nerve to complain about the amount of sun, which, yeah. yeah. Grass is always greener. Uh, when you get out to San Diego, do you go to Polite Provisions? Uh, I've been there once, not on the most re- recent trip, uh-huh. um, but there's a few real interesting places. Oh, yeah, um, real San interesting Diego. ones. San Diego's killing it. Like uh, up in La Jolla, there's a place called Raised by Wolves. Oh yeah, that's the same, same ownership, Eric Castro and uh, yeah. his team uh, from just Polite go, Provisions. Just going in there, you even have to question, am I seeing this for real? Yeah. Because it, it's so phenomenal of what they've actually set up there. I think I, I haven't been yet, though Eric and I are good friends, uh, and the photos that I've seen have had me say to people, it's the most beautiful bar that I've yet to go to. Yeah. Like, uh, like it's the most beautiful bar I've seen, but yet to go to. Even if you go in the classic way, which is where they've got two seats beside the fireplace. It spins around. Literally pull a lever, spun around into the... And it's not even a small library. This is a big place. Yeah. It's, but it's just, it's breathtaking. Yeah. Um, which is another great thing about my job. The fact I get sent around the country to go to some of the best bars, meet some of the best people. And yet at the same time, I even love just going to a bar, maybe having a Bushmills and just talking to the person beside me. Somebody wouldn't maybe normally ever have tried Bushmills. And I have a great conversation with them. Or at the same time, I can almost nerd out, geek out with someone as well. I love doing every single different aspect. Who do you think that person is? That person who's never had Bushmills? I think it's that person who just is a little bit afraid to go out of their comfort zone. They'll go to their standard, they'll go to their norm. Sometimes you ask them, oh, why do you drink XYZ whiskey? And they'll be like, well, about 90% of the time they shrug their shoulders. And you just talk to them a little bit and you just introduce them to Bushmills. You know, for me, each one of our whiskeys are very, very moody. So if I was sitting right beside us over here, I'd be having a different style of whiskey to if I was sitting into that wee bar sure. in there. Because each whiskey's got its own time and place. So basically where I am, I'll just be like, check what the bar has and get a little bit of a pour and just educate them through it. And this ties into what I was saying about the pot still. Because one of the key things is sometimes you get people who just try a whiskey and they expect everything to happen after one sip. No, 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 no. Yeah. You need at least three sips, and particularly something inside a copper pot still. Because every little sip you have, you just build and build and build that flavor profile. And that just keeps continuing, continuing, continuing. So one of the best ways to discover Bushmills is just taking your time. The more time you take, the more you get back. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I always say uh, when I'm tasting anything new, the first sip is just to sort of set my mouth up for what's coming. Yeah. Then the second and third sips are where I can really start to dig in and figure out what's going on in the glass. Yeah, the second you start getting a little bit of an idea, and that third, that's just concreted everything in. So for me, for Redbush, this is definitely something I tend to find myself drinking. If I'm in a sports bar, works perfectly. If you know we're out with our friends, sometimes shots can be inevitable. Excellent, because you knock that down, that smoothness means you get no bite, no burn. It's absolutely fantastic. It's a great one that I find, well, whenever the weather changes here again, uh, in a chilled shot glass. Because just by chilling it, we're going to make that, those lighter alcohol notes more viscous, more heavy. So whenever you take that sip, that smoothness is just amplified even further again. Um, one of the most interesting ones I love doing this is uh, for an Irish margarita. A what? daisy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly why I love doing it. I love challenging perceptions of people. If you see that even on a menu, you're like, what? How can this be? And you get it made, and then you just see the reaction of where... It comes out fantastic. And I just love doing that little bit of a challenge of perception. Even when the when it comes to the garnish, like I love doing a little bit of maybe even cinnamon or red chili salt. 
Uh, even when I was up in Vail in Colorado, they had a stone-baked tomato salt. Didn't realize such a thing existed. Uh, I tried it with that. It's one of the most phenomenal ways I've tried. Stone-baked tomato? Is that what you said? Tomato? Yeah. tomato oh, yeah. Sorry. Tomato, tomato. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Just trying to help out my audience. <laughs> yeah, still, still trying to learn American right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, and that's one of the best things about a red bush. It's a fantastic whiskey just to play about with. Um, and it's fantastic to join so many, many different ways. So it's something that's grown on, well, it's grown on me ever since I first ever tried it in its uh, production stages. Well, let's, let's, let's reel the clock back a little bit. You grew up in this town of Bushmills. You worked at the Bushmill Inn as a young man. Then you moved mm-hmm. over to work at the distillery. Is Bushmills the first whiskey you ever tasted? Uh, yeah. So basically... Do you, do you have a clear memory of that? Or? Uh, well, so what, what happens in Ireland? There's, I, I, as you said, like, do people drink whiskey? Yes, they do. But people also enjoy whiskey in many, many different ways. So my mum, uh, she's probably doing it right now back in Ireland. Uh, she's probably already started the Christmas cake. And every single day, she'll feed that Christmas cake sure. with, a, with a little bit of Bushmills. Mm-hmm. Every single day, she'll keep nursing it and nursing it and nursing it. The moment anyone has got a little bit of a sniffle back home, regardless of who you are, you're going to have a hot toddy. Um, <laughs> then at the same time, you know, if you've got a toothache, just rub a little bit of whiskey onto the gums. So it is ingrained in that culture, um, that old Irish culture of where whiskey's not just, you don't have to drink it straight. There's multiple different ways to enjoy it. So this is where you get the wee grannies coming in. They love their hot toddies. Wouldn't normally always have a whiskey straight. Um, you get some people who, you know, let's say we get the boyfriend coming in, loves whiskey, his partner doesn't really, not really into whiskey. I see it as a golden opportunity. We get a cocktail just to work for them. Of where there's just always that moment for a different style of whiskey to enjoy in a different way. There's no right or wrong way to enjoy a whiskey. And that's something I heavily enforce to people is that how someone enjoys their whiskey, that's the right way for them. Sure. Never water another man's whiskey. Exactly. If, if someone asks for me, like whenever I was behind the bar, if someone asked for ice, I'd put the ice on the side or mm-hmm. they ask for water, put the water inside, be like, that's yours. What Keep. you do with your whiskey. Because the moment I hand that over to them, that's theirs. That's no longer my whiskey. I yeah. can advise them, but at the end of the day, that's still their own whiskey. Yeah, treat it how you will. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Uh, then we're going to come back and keep talking about Irish whiskey. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Wild Alaska Pollock, the fish of the future. Wild Alaska Pollock is incredibly delicious, highly nutritious, and perpetually sustainable. Among the last frontier's many natural wonders, wild Alaska pollock just might be the state's best-kept secret. This cousin to cod has lean, snowy white meat, delicate texture, and a mild flavor that makes it extremely versatile and tasty. Only pollock caught in Alaskan waters by U.S. fishermen can be labeled wild Alaska pollock. Unlike other pollock products, wild Alaska pollock is filleted and frozen just once within hours of being caught to preserve freshness, flavor, and texture. And now, food service professionals can try Wild Alaska Pollock for free. Request your sample at wildakpollock.com and discover the fish of the future. That's wildakpollock.com. And we are back at the Speakeasy, uh, hanging out in the studio with uh, Jack Barris, the Bushmills brand educator and ambassador global. Um, tons of whiskey all over the table here. We've been talking about 
uh, your time growing up in Ireland and and hanging out in the town of Bushmills and working for them basically from a young age, and now you're still with them. At still a young age, you're only 26. You told me. Yeah, 26. Pretty, so pretty shocking. So uh, I moved here. So there's almost like a unofficial rule in Ireland uh, where whenever you hit 25, if you well, if you haven't left Ireland by 25, you're probably not going to move. So I left on February 11th, and I turned 26 on February 13th. So I just squeaked out. Yeah, skin in my teeth of like <laughs> you know keeping true to that rule. So, uh, but yeah, it's about, what, nine and a half months, just over nine and a half months now. Okay, so this is fresh. This is a fresh position. Yeah, it's very much a fresh position, but I've been hitting the, the uh, road hard. Yeah. Um, you know, so as soon as I got here, straight into work. But it's my passion there. Um, the fact, I don't really have to get trained. Like, I just love doing what I do. Right. Um, because back in Ireland, you know, I do all the premium whiskey tastings, take people in, convert people over to whiskey, show them. You know, what is the right whiskey for them? Um, so it's just like following that, what I've been doing back in Ireland and just bringing it directly uh, to America itself. Yeah. And again, how do you feel you're being received? Are people, people welcoming you with open arms or are they afraid of it or they, they, want, to drink, they want to drink American whiskey? Or? It's a whole mix of everything. Sure. Um, and that's what, one of the good things about me is that the fact I can relate to that. Because remember, when I started working in the distillery, I didn't care for whiskey at all. So I've done the full circle. So I can relate to what anyone says if they don't like it or if they just like one certain style. Like sometimes I will, whenever someone came up to the bar me in, in the distillery and they say, I don't know what I want. It's like, well, what, would, what do you normally drink? And they'd be like, well, I don't drink whiskey. It's like, that's not what I'm asking. Um, you know, I could, I could relate it. Let's say if they like a white wine compared to a red wine. What style of beer they like. What style of cocktail they like. Even down to the fact what even soft drink they might like. Where I can relate going, okay, you like that? Let's try this one. Um, so it is something, no matter what their reaction is, I will find something to relate to them with it. Yeah, I mean, sure, this is what we do in bartending all the time when people come in and say, you know, just make me something. I, I got a few questions that I'll ask them that'll suss out a little bit of information so that I can understand what it is they might like and then I can make them a drink based on those couple of questions. So I understand what you're, what you're talking about. Yeah. You got a bunch of marks on the table here. Um, I feel like we should probably try at least the, the original, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, and definitely. talk about that because we tried the Red Bush. That's the one he says more geared towards the American palate. Um, you want me to pour again? All right. Sure. Yeah, so I'd say. <clears throat> so this is like. a super familiar bottle. Seen this one a bunch of times up close and from a distance. Yeah, so the original, it's, it's uh, remained unchanged since 1888. Uh, this won the world's first gold medal uh, for a whiskey in the Paris Expo of 1889. Uh, so this is the whiskey that really made us famous uh, to what we know today. This is the whiskey that, as I say, what you've just said, you see around, and it's been there for generations and generations. Uh, we actually do have one of the original bottles sitting in our tasting room in the distillery, and you'll actually see it's almost got that little bit of a blue glass still on it. Uh, and the recipe's remained unchanged. So it's going to be, again, another blended whiskey, five years old. It's going to be a 50-50 blend ratio, so it'll be 50% single malt, 50% that tailor-made grain spirit. But this is going to be using bourbon barrels more traditional way. So once, twice, and three times. So traditionally, we will never use a barrel more than three times. Now, this is why... Sure, but it's kind of spent, you know? Uh, kind of spent. Now, this is where the Scottish market can change a little different, uh, where they can use it maybe up to 10, even up to 13 times. They invented the word frugal. Yeah. They, 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 <laughs> they even come a little, little bit tight yes. as well, uh, which is why traditionally they would say teardrops of water to your whiskey. You're not going to see a difference with a teardrop. You know, it's about 10%, I'd say. Right. So they're even tight when it comes to free water <laughs> as well. 
yeah, perfect. So, so you have to, it's, it's almost like a brotherly hatred we have with them because we're so far north up in Ireland. Um, we're only 17 miles from Scotland. Right. And so, you know, close enough to give them a friendly wave every morning. Right. As well. So this is why with the original, the caramel comes out a little bit more. The honey comes out a little bit more. And do you remember I was saying about our distillate is very floral, very fruity. Mm-hmm. Once you start to identify that, that honey, that little bit of maltiness, that softer vanilla, once you identify them and isolate those aromas, that's where you start to get that floral fruitiness. Yeah, it smells divine. One of the big things is that whenever you take a little sip, suddenly that caramel sweetness is going to coat the entire front of your lips. It's going to coat in around the entire front of the palate. Even if you let your palate salivate just that little bit longer, it becomes a little bit creamy. So now flavor hits the roof and the bottom, coats everything. And you might even just notice a little bit more of a glow. Oh yeah, certainly engaging my, 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 you know, salivary glands. Like mm-hmm. that first sip is making me salivate. It's wetting my, my appetite for more. Yeah, so you just, it's just got that little bit more of a lingering finish, a little bit more of a softer spice coming in around the back. So this is, for me, this is a fantastic whiskey for this time of year, particularly in this part of the country. Uh, with the weather, only going to get colder and worse. This is the perfect time for Irish coffee. So the Irish coffee with the Bushmills original is phenomenal. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, basically, it's one of the easiest things to make. If you've got the ingredients in front of you, you can get it done in seven seconds. Sure. Because there's only four ingredients. Yeah. All you literally need is an ounce of Bushmills original, half an ounce of Damarara sugar syrup, three and a quarter ounces of um, Sumatra coffee, just topped off with heavy cream. Yeah. And literally, you've got the perfect Irish coffee. <clears throat> that drink, by the way, it seems to be coming back into strong fashion. And I don't know if it's just because of the season, but it, it, it seems like the Irish coffee is, is, it's, is making, a, making a resurgence. I think it's going hand in hand with the growth of the Irish whiskey category. And uh, We are the fastest growing uh, spirits category in the world right now. Uh, you probably even noticed going into the liquor stores over the past couple of years, Irish whiskey is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And going hand in hand with that, it means instead of just maybe the normal, everyone's got a choice now. There's a lot more attention being given to Irish whiskey. And with that, there's been a lot more attention in the fact that Irish coffee is not being made correctly throughout the States. I mean, as I've traveled around, I've had Irish coffee made with creme de mint. I've had it made with mint. I've had it made with orange bitters. I've had it made with Guinness. I've had it made... uh, in a pint glass, I've had it served in a pint glass over ice, um, or even with Irish iced coffee. <laughs> yeah, well, where it's just going, it's meant to be a traditional Irish coffee. It doesn't say anything about ice. Going, okay, what? What is this? It's been presented. So this is where we get certain Irish bars are trying to really identify. Going, if you're going to have one of our national drinks, if you're going to call it an Irish coffee, right. you know, you're already identifying it as a national drink. Um, that literally, the easiest way is the quickest way. And that for people not to be intimidated by it. Because a lot of people are. Because the moment you're adding in cream, people go, whereas actually, no, it's fantastically easy to do. One of the best things is that whenever you make that Irish coffee correctly, you'll have a second one without hesitation. And then with the slightest twist of your arm from the, from the bartender, you'll happily have a third. <laughs> Too much caffeine. <laughs> so, well, th- this thing, like, if you're only dealing with about three and a quarter ounces, sure, yeah. it's getting that balance is one of the key things. I mean, yep. I remember... I was in a bar and literally we'd, I think it was 14 ounces of coffee. You know, it was served in almost like a G- German uh, beer goblet. Right. I was just like, wow, this is, this is going to be a beast. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd say the easiest way is the simplest way. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, bars like the Dead Rabbit here in New York City and, and 
perfecting it, Instagram making it, you know, easy to see and easy to understand. I think the Irish coffee is really enjoying a resurgence. And certainly at this time of year, like as the weather changes, people want to drink those hot drinks. And Definitely. And it's it, one of the big things I even mentioned is the fact that after lunch, 90% of people are going to go off to the coffee shop, grab a coffee. Oh, sure. So why not keep that person there for that coffee? and let them have a fantastic coffee. Instead of maybe just a run-of-the-mill average coffee, keep them there, let them have one of the best coffees, and it's not our fault it will be an Irish coffee. Right, right. Send them back to work happy. Yeah. Well, that's, if you've only got an ounce, um, and that's one of yeah. the best things about, if you do something too heavy, you're dealing with a lot of liquor there. You just want to have that nice little balance as well. Yeah, agreed. We had, uh, I was at Thanksgiving uh, dinner, 14 of us, and, and after after the big meal, uh, uh, our host made a big round of Irish coffees for everyone, 14, 14 Irish coffees coming out of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And they were beautiful, and they were perfect, and you're right, they took no time to make, and they were well executed and, and simple, and that's what made them you know, delicious and special and beautiful. And Yeah, I mean, there's even fantastic video going about Facebook right now where you can see 15 Irish coffees being made perfectly with Bushmills Original in the time it takes to pour a perfect pint of Guinness, which is just over two minutes as well. And this is how simple and how easy it is to make. Sure. And every single one comes out perfect and identical. Right. As well. It's pretty amazing. So yeah, Bushmills Original, it works perfectly um, for that. Works excellently in a hot toddy. Um, one of the best things I did for a hot toddy back in the distillery was we'd take a muslin cloth and what we'd really also use is a linen cloth, the bar tile. Once it starts to get to a little bit ragged, we'd make a massive tea bag, one big fistful of cloves, one big fistful of cinnamon, wrap it up together uh, with a linen string, then we'd throw it into a pot of water. So we're almost like making like an infused tea, if you wish, sure. with the cloves and cinnamon. We'd take two parts of that, one part of Bushmills Original, just a little dash of sugar, and you've made the perfect hot toddy. Sure. And that's an actual recipe that's been passed down now five generations in our distillery bar so it's called granny britty's uh hot toddy recipe yeah so it's just you know phenomenal you don't need lemon for a hot toddy yeah cinnamon cloves syrup whiskey we're good we're good let's go yeah um i know you wanted to talk about another mark or two here what which one do you want to talk about next right so we'll, we'll do the 16 and then we'll we'll do the penultimate with a real special thing that because I've actually brought this, this is from my own personal collection. So yeah, you definitely want to try that one. Your own personal collection. This looks like you brought me your whole bar. <laughs> well, so it's a part of it. And uh, what are the best things if you go through the airports? Well, you, know, got another- one, you know, we're moving into the special stuff. This has a cork instead of a cap. Well, everything from our Blackbush onwards, uh, you'll find has got a cork cap. Um, Blackbush for me, I was tend to find myself drinking that with a pint of Irish stout. Everyone knows what brand that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, ten year, I always find myself actually in your patio whenever it was summertime here. I'd always find myself drinking the ten year old. It's real light, it's crisp, it's clean. It's just, it's fantastic to have out sitting out in the sun. The sixteen year old, this very, very special. So this is going to be a three wood whiskey. This is going to be a full hundred percent single malt. This is going to be matured for a minimum sixteen years inside bourbon. Then a minimum 16 years inside Oloroso sherry casks. And we then marry that together for a finish of at least six months inside Portuguese port wine pipes. And we use... So wait, I'm sorry, back it up. So six, you got two different barrels going at the same time, 16 mm-hmm. years each minimum. Mm-hmm. So simultaneous, side Simultaneously, by side. Yeah, uh, and you said, uh, um, what were the barrels again? So it'll be a Kentucky bourbon barrel. Sure. And a Spanish Oloroso sherry cask. Neat. So we then... I love, of, I love whiskey and sherry. It's such a great combination. 
Well, that is actually a sample of our Oloroso sherry cask, the one this from guy. the top. Yep. So that's what has been used for Blackbush for, and for the 16-year-old as well. So it's going to be in there for at least 16 years. Then we marry it together and finish it for at least six months inside a Portuguese port wine pipe. And we've actually got a sample of the port wine pipe as well. So you see the one that's just... Nope. So you see the one that's slightly pink? So you actually still I'm colorblind. <laughs> you can actually see the one that's still a little bit sugar, still on it. Right, that's what I was just I was just scraping off. Yeah, yeah. There's like sugar crystals on the on the piece of wood here. He brought he brought some staves in. I'll, I'll put some photos on Instagram. So it's one of the handy things about working at the distillery is that I can just lift the phone. I'm gonna lick it. Does the people lick it? Um, you're the first. All right, it's sugar. All right. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the best things is that you've got all well, you've got the full collection in front of you. Yeah. But if you look at the color of the 16 year old, you're just gonna notice it. We get this ruby redness coming in. Mm. That is so different. Even to the 10 year, the 10 year is real light and gold. This has got this dark ruby red. Now, on the nose, you're going to realize how complex it is. You're going to realize, now, obviously, you will recognize that port sweetness. Yeah. But for anyone who doesn't, is not too familiar with port, treacle toffee, I always yep. say. And treacle. You can always pitch that in and people will go, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it just, and the fact that aroma just keeps drawing you in and in and in. Mm-hmm. Also, you'll recognize, because we're at this age of whiskey, what's happened, we lose about 2% a year through evaporation. So that's what, pretty low, though, right? Well, because you're in a cool, you're in a cooler climate, and it's also a latitude. You have to remember we're further north than Moscow. It's because of the Gulf Stream. Sure, it means that we never really get too cold, but we also never get warm. So in the north coast of Ireland, we've got one season, yeah, uh, rain. So <laughs> which rain is season. actually perfect for whiskey because it means that the warehouses never get too hot and they never get too cold. And because we're right up on the north coast, we're only one mile from the North Atlantic. We're on a little bit of a hillside. We've got about two hundred meter elevation which means that the winds are always coming in, keeping those warehouses at a very temperate climate. So it's ideal for whiskey maturation, which is why our site was chosen back in 1608, why that license was signed back on the 20th of April. So basically, what you'll notice with 16, and this is what I always do, this is why I kept talking, anyone who tries a 16-year-old, I want them to enjoy the first sip on their own terms. I don't even want to say anything to them because so much happens. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Like and again, there's a lot going on. It's that complexity. All you have to remember, think along the lines, you're going to get that caramelization, a um, little bit of honey note coming from the bourbon barrel. You're going to get those dried fruit, heavier, nuttier characters coming from the Oloroso sherry cask. That's what I love. I'm loving the, the, the nutty, I don't know, it's like the... More almond, I tend to find. Sure. And it's like the, it's like the, the brown part of the, the toasted almond, you know, not just the creamy inside, but the toasty outside. Yeah. It's... And it, it's the fact even at the front it's more caramelization it goes a little more toasted in the middle nutty character comes out just the back of the throat but the thing I love about the 16 is what happens after about 20 or 30 seconds because you get that beautiful glow coming in through the neck deep into the chest you get all that body but you see where the neck and chest meet I always tend to find it's a delayed afterglow you get that I don't know whether it's dark summer fruits, dark summer berries, almost like a compote berry jam you just get a little highlight just coming in sure, right there it's nice and warm it's for me this is a fantastic whiskey again this time of year but you know you go to a bar you might you know after dinner a paratif even for a cigar even for a pipe even with cheese board um it's an absolute brilliant whiskey i mean for me back in ireland whenever we get our well 320 days a year of rain and the rain would be coming in at 90 degrees i'd have the fireplace on uh, sit back on the sofa feed her up i'm not going anywhere that night 
but I'm staying nice and warm. Take a glass of 16, right. just thaw out by the fire. I couldn't be happier. <laughs> thaw out by the fire. You got a fireplace in your Jersey City apartment? <laughs> uh, I, I, I wish I could. It's something I miss desperately. Yeah. Uh, so, like, what, some of the few places I get sent out to, you know, obviously, whenever I get sent out to the cities, I can't, but whenever I get sent out to the smaller towns and I see somewhere the fireplace, it just run right to it well you have to get over, you know damon's not here today but you have to get over to his bar grand army it's one of the few grandfathered spaces that has an actual fire fireplace in the bar so, so you can go hang out at, at the bar grand army and get toasty next to the fire i think i think i'll be there within the next couple of days and yeah while you're in town yeah come pop over uh this is remarkable stuff quite delicious um and how do you recommend people drink this one honestly as it is. Yeah. I mean, that's what I say about everything. My, 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 my statement is always, I, I say, uh, it's pretty harsh. I say, hold on and listen to me. I'm going to say some firm uh, words, and it's going to sound kind of harsh, but I feel that's, that's the truth. Nobody, anywhere, ever, in the history of man, put anything in a bottle and thought to themselves, I hope this goes good with other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> if they thought something was missing, they'd have put it in there. Yeah. Right? I think everything in a bottle is ready to drink. And that's what I recommend people do all the time. Um, and then if you want to mix it, you need to drink it first, right? Yeah. Say, what do I mix this with? And I say, well, what do you think about it? And they go, well, I've never had it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you've never eaten chicken, why are you trying to make chicken soup? Yeah. I mean, that, that comes into what, what I was saying um, is the fact, even whenever you try a whiskey, and let's say after the third sip, you're still not getting comfortable with it. That's your body telling you, okay, something needs to change, or we need to do something with this. When it particularly comes to the 16-year-olds, I mean, whenever you just take a little sip and eat, you're already happy. Yeah, you, yeah. You don't even have to take a second uh, thought about it. And um, 16-year-olds, again, this time of year, just it couldn't get find a better whiskey. There's enough character coming out of the woods in this one. Woods, meaning the, the wood, that the thing was, not the forest. There's enough character <laughs> coming out of the three woods that this was aged in to make this have, you know, an almost cocktail-like, it, it almost tastes like an old-fashioned already. Mm. just put this on a rock with a twist that's kind of an old fashioned and the thing that I that's the I, sweetness I'm, from the port the nuttiness from the, from the sherry like it's yeah and, and one of the things I'm even doing right now is I can even see from your body language the fact you take a little sip send it back down and you're just watching that complexity develop. sure whenever you get a whiskey that's got more complexity a little more body more character more depth inherently you will drink that at a slower pace I think so too yeah like you don't even have to be told inherently you take a little sip and you're like I'm just going to watch this develop and change and just see how different, even from the nose to the front of the palate, what happens 10 seconds in, that finish. Um, it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. All right. We got time for tasting one more, and I know you wanted to get to this one. So. Oh, yeah. So, um, well, let's talk between about this. So, between this, we do have a 21-year-old, which is phenomenally rare. And it's another three-wood whiskey. It's 21 years bourbon, 21 years sherry and a two-year finish inside Madeira wine drums. But so bourbon, sherry again, and then... And Madeira, but and that's, Madeira. For, that's for our 21-year-old. Now, what you have in your hand, oh. this is something really special. Um, so special, in fact, this is from my own personal bar. Uh, so special, in fact, I brought this back directly from the distillery because this is a distillery exclusive. This can only be found in the gift shop at Bush Yeah, Mills I was about Whiskey. to ask about the label. It says distillery yeah. exclusive on it. So it can only be sourced from there. Uh, and this is a one-off limited run. This is going to be only 12,000 bottles. Once this is done, that's it. Now, this is interesting so many different ways. Uh, one of the best things, the fact, with ourselves being the origins of single malt within Ireland, 
uh, origins, and particularly with Ireland being the origin for Irish whiskey and whiskey in, in total. I mean, even the fact in our site, yeah, we started in 1608. We know back in 1276 there already was a mention of Aquaviti being distilled, drunk and drawn on the very site we still occupy today. So we, we began everything in the entire world. Whenever it comes to this, this really shows what almost a thousand years of whiskey making production in our area has allowed us to do. This basically is something that not really any other country can produce with their whiskey laws. So this is going to be technically a three-wood whiskey. It's going to be 10 years inside bourbon barrel and 10 years inside sherry cask. It's going to be about 60% bourbon barrel, only about 40% sherry cask. But what makes it so different, and when you look at the label, one of the big key things, it's going to be finished inside acacia wood. Now, yeah, so acacia wood is completely different. So many different whiskey acts around the world dictate that it must use oak, but this is acacia. And acacia is, is a wood that dates back over 20 million years. So you can find this in Australia, you can find this out in the Middle East. And this has been finished for at least eight months inside the acacia wood. Another thing is that everything we've tried today is going to be 40% 80 proof and all chill filtered. This is non-chill filtered and this is going to be at 47%. So this is completely Yeah, this unique. is a big jump. Yeah, this is completely unique, completely different for those real interested whiskey novices. And what we're starting to do is that we're really starting to uh, flex our muscles and show the world what we are capable of, what 410 years of expertise, of licensed expertise, I should say, has allowed us to do. And with the fact of being the originators of single malt, again, for those hundreds, if not almost a thousand years of um, knowledge, allows us to do. So the acacia wood, um, well, knows it. Because it's so interesting and it's so different. This is something that even I just want you to, to pick out what you think is in there. Because because of that non-chill filter, it's so much more oily. And with it yeah, being a higher proof. It's almost kind of, <clears throat> kind of grassy, mm-hmm. like, a, like a light. And, that, and that's what you get when you do a non-chill filter. The reason we do chill filter is to guarantee consistency. So with our range, we can guarantee the Bushmills will taste the same today, tomorrow, five years, ten years. Even on your deathbed, Bushmills will always taste the same. And that's really by doing an 80 proof and chill filtering. You guarantee that consistency, right. which is actually very hard for a lot of distilleries to do. With this, this is also showing what we can do in very specialised terms. I mean, even whenever you go through the airports now, well, particularly now in the East Coast, particularly over in Europe, we've got four different single malts part of a steamship series. We've got a bourbon barrel, a sherry cask, a port pipe, and a rum cask. So you guys are like really... We're really starting to go out there now. We're really starting to flex muscles and show the world what we're capable of and showing the world why, and you know, it might sound biased for me, but why we are the world's best. But you're mired in tradition, you're steeped in history, mm-hmm. and you know that you can do the thing you do consistently and well. Mm-hmm. So now you're experimenting and being innovative as well. So that's, that's great. Completely. Like you're really holding on to your history and heritage, but at the same time you're still looking forward for innovations and, and keeping your, your, your client base happy. You know, I know, you know, I think whiskey and rum are the two categories that, that people are the most excited always to see the different variations. You know, they want to see every 
mark of a different rum that's produced in different ways. They want to see every mark of a different whiskey produced or barreled or aged at different uh, statements or, you know, like they want to, they want to geek out, you know, really yeah. get, really get deep and get nerdy. So I think that having a heritage of over 400 years offers you the opportunity to say, well, we have the skill and the expertise. Now we're going to do these things that are a little bit off the mark and, and, you know, delight our, 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 our guests and customers. Yeah. I mean, it insults the fact that because we've always been where we are, we know exactly what the water does to our whiskey. We know exactly what the copper pot stills does to our whiskey. We know exactly. You have 400 years of data. Exactly. And the terroir, one of the big key things is the fact being right up there on the North Coast and you're only one mile from the Giant's Causeway. And we are, I mean, we are overlooking the North Atlantic Ocean where we are. We know exactly what that does to our whiskey. And that really highlights just how unique Bushmills actually is. Is the fact we don't have to trial and experiment what works, what doesn't. We know what does. Now, what I'm just also just trying to highlight is in the space of three years, we've already got a new blended whiskey out designed for the American palate. We've got this that was just launched at the very, very end of summer. We've got four uh, unique whiskies just for the airport market. If you're interested in Bushmills now, it's a perfect time to get, be more and more engaged because this is just what we've done already. What's going to happen over the next year, the next two, and the next three years? I don't even know, but I know there's a lot of work happening right now. I mean, how many marks was that? You just listed 11. Mm-hmm. You got one more. We got a year's worth of, of trial. You know, like any, anybody can be like, let's get a different Bushmills for every month of the year. Yeah. And, and you know, we, the fact we've got over 18 warehouses, most containing an average between twenty to 30,000 barrels. Um, I mean, yeah, when I was involved in the picking plenty squad. Of, plenty of stock. Lots of edge stock. And lots of stock of all different ages, all different ver- varieties, all different styles. Um, and this is what I mean. What we do next, I don't even know because we have so many different options. And this is why it's so exciting um, because just the growth and the fact that we are really showcasing to the world what we can do and why we are the world's best. And really, it's the fact that we didn't become the oldest because we're the best, but we're really the best because, well, the oldest as well so uh yeah it's like a snake that eats itself yeah it it goes in both ways so and that really showcases it why we stood the test of time why we've always been there when other irish whiskey distilleries closed down and particularly prohibition when it just annihilated the entire irish whiskey market we had knocked you down to just a couple of distilleries right Uh, in theory it's one it's arguably two uh, and that one was us yeah and one of the key things that while every other irish whiskey distillery was closing down we actually increased production. So, uh, so in 1923, uh, we were put under the ownership of Samuel L. Boyd. He actually increased production. He invested. We just built everything. We even had a fleet of four steamships um, just to deliver the whiskey around the world. And on November 31st, 1933, so obviously, what, six days before repeal day, yeah. uh, we sent out the biggest Irish whiskey load ever to leave an Irish port uh, bound for New York. Uh, so we knew the Americans that it couldn't last and we knew that was that was coming in i think we knew it couldn't last either when we did it come yeah. on i mean weirdly canada was buying a lot more but uh yeah because well, yeah, so they were selling it to us on a, on a black market awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we drank more during prohibition than we than we do today still it's more per capita do you know that no. americans drank more during prohibition per capita than they do to this day it's probably one of those things if you can't have you want it more oh of course you want to make you want to make something yeah. delicious prohibit it yeah which this distillery exclusive yeah, you can't have it unless you go there. So you have to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that stuff. And, and again, I think that I think whiskey, whiskey and rum are the two categories that people will travel. They'll go. They'll like really seek that stuff out. They'll scour eBay. You know, people will travel over and they'll buy 
five bottles, one for themselves and four to sell, you know? Yeah. And, and that's great. It gets it out there and it gets, gets people excited. Um, Jack, it's been, it's been really great having you on the, on the show today. So, so again, it's Jack Ferris, the Bushmills brand educator and ambassador. That's global. You're the global brand educator and ambassador based out of Jersey city <laughs> <laughs> to make it sound even more glamorous. Uh, thanks for coming in and sharing honestly your passion about uh, Irish whiskey in general. Um, and of course, specifically about Bushmills. Thanks for coming in and sharing all these delicious uh, Bushmills marks. I wish we had enough time to drink them all. I wish I had enough time before I have to go to work to drink them all. Um, but I really appreciate you being in here today. Thank you so much for being in the studio. Cheers for having me oh, as man. well. It's really, been a pleasure. Really good to have you. Um, upcoming shows on the Speakeasy uh, include, but aren't limited to, we're going to have uh, excuse me, Jeff Bell and A.K. Hatter are going to come on and talk to us about uh, things going on over there at PDT and PDT Hong Kong and Jeff Bell's new uh, Bertou Brandy. Um, we're going to taste of that. Uh, we got uh, Claire Sprouse coming up. She's going to talk to us about her new bar, Hunky Dory. Um, and lots of other shows coming up. So stay tuned to the Speakeasy uh, here on Heritage Radio Network. Uh, and, and don't forget to go check out uh, uh, the website where you can find tickets to our upcoming gala. It's next Tuesday, so it's less than a week away. It's heritageradionetwork.org slash gala. Go pick up tickets to that. Even if you can't come and you want to support, go to heritageradionetwork.org. And, uh, there's plenty of ways for you to donate and keep, uh, keep our show and other shows just like us on the air. So thanks again for tuning in to the Speakeasy. And thank you again, Jack, for being with us. Thanks, thanks so much, again. guys. Cheers. Cheers. Want more of the Speakeasy? Follow us and ask questions on Instagram at Speakeasy Podcast or on Twitter at Speakeasy Radio. You can find Damon at Damon Bolte, and you can find me at Creative Drunk on all platforms. Take a moment to write us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform and give us a star rating, five if possible. If you're visiting New York City or a resident, stop by the studio and hang out with us during an episode. Reach out beforehand to make sure we'll be here. We'd love to see you. And please support our show by visiting heritageradionetwork.org and clicking on the beating heart to donate. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load Knows that country music's gonna save your soul The devil runs his groove in the rhythm and sound. It's gonna get you sun in the air Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network Food radio supported by you For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events Subscribe to our newsletter Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization, driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.